Well, welcome Salem Chapel uh, this morning. So glad that you could join us, and I hope that your hearts are already ready to hear God's word as you've been able to worship the Lord and as we've been able to pray together uh, on the other side of that screen. Let me just say welcome. Whether you are watching and are tuning in for the very first time, man, we are glad that you are here, or whether you are part of Salem Chapel, uh, man, it's a privilege to be able just to be able to open God's word together. And so let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 27. We're starting a brand new series today in Psalm 27, and the title of this series is Heart of a Lion. You know, when you think about lions, they are a symbol of strength, they're a symbol of power, they are uh, really symbolize veracity and strength in the Bible, but not just in the Bible, in our culture. And when someone uses the term to describe someone as having a heart of a lion, uh, they are definitely not describing someone as having a heart of fear or having a heart of cowardice, but rather having a heart of courage and of strength. So here's the question that we are going to answer in this series as we're walking verse by verse through Psalm 27. The question is this, how do you, how do I live courageously in a chaotic world? Now I'm going to let you in on something. We were planning to walk through this series as a church after Easter. Uh, that was the plan. I put together a sermon calendar in the summer every year to really lay out what we're going to walk through uh, for the entire year. But you know what I, I'm reminded of? The Lord's timing is always right. And God wants us to walk through this psalm right now because I think we all can admit we are living in a chaotic world right now. Uh, our routines have been turned upside down. So how do we live courageously in spite of the chaos that we may be experiencing. And so Psalm 27 is a psalm of confidence and courage. It's a psalm of, 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 of strength. And most people believe that David, who is the author of this psalm, King David, David wrote this psalm when he was fleeing from King Saul. So at the time that this psalm is being written, King Saul is king, David has been anointed as the next king, but he's not king yet. And King Saul has jealousy towards King towards David because of the things that God has done in David's life and through David's life. And so David is fleeing for his life right now because King Saul wants to kill him. And so right now, most people uh, believe that during the time of this psalm that David is fleeing for his life, hiding in the caves in the desert of Israel. I had the chance uh, in the fall of this past year to go to Israel and as it was interesting that when I was there, how close the desert is to Jerusalem. And so being able to actually see those caves, and I have a picture for that so that you can see those, and the numerous caves that are along the mountainside in the desert, and just thinking about David going from cave to cave and wondering if, if King Saul was going to find him today and the fear that David could even been experiencing. Imagine that. Imagine what David was feeling. He's feeling alone. He's feeling betrayed by Saul. He may be even struggling to believe that he's been betrayed by God. He's exhausted physically and emotionally and spiritually. 
Think about the questions that he may have been asking. We can look at different Psalms and know that, that David was like you and me and struggled with fear at time. And I wonder if he even asked himself, God, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. Remember, David was keeping Jesse, his father's sheep, uh, when Samuel came and found David and anointed him as king. And I'm sure David may have even been, we don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if he would have thought, God, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be king. Why did you put me in this spot? Why, why would my motives be called into question? I'm just wanting to serve King Saul. And why would he be questioning my motives? Maybe he even asked this, how can a good God allow this to happen? I wonder if that's a question that you've been asking during this time. And I want you to think about your life and, and what you may be feeling right now or what questions you may be even asking right now. And don't you find with yourself that you're often both confident and anxious or trusting and fearful, or at least that your mood easily swings from one way to the, to the other? Because I'm here to tell you, I will raise my hand and admit that that is me. And I just want you to know that if there is a psalm that has meant more to me in my life and has ministered to me more than any other psalm in my life, it's Psalm 27. In times that I've experienced of anxiety, in times that I've been fearful, in times that I've had questions, in times that I ask, God, what are you doing? And I believe that you're a good God, but how could you allow this to happen? If there is a psalm that has ministered to me more than any other it is Psalm 27. And so what we're going to be looking at in this series, I want you to know that they are also things that the Lord has taught me and is teaching me even in this time that we are in right now. So we mentioned the title of this series is Heart of a Lion. So I want to give you a definition of heart of a lion that we're going to use as we walk verse by verse through this series. So let me encourage you now, if you don't already, go get a pen, go get a notebook, go get something to write with, because the things that we are going to look at are things that you are going to want to write down. So let me give you the definition of heart of a lion. It's this, living with a courageous confidence in the character and competency of the Lord in all circumstances. Every circumstance. Let me read that again. Heart of a lion is this, living with a courageous confidence in the character, who God is, in the competency of the Lord, what he can do in all circumstances. And listen to me, the greatest example of what it looks like to have a heart of a lion, according to that definition, is Jesus Christ. Revelation 5, 5, 5 says this about Jesus. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. I think it's so interesting that Jesus is described as a lion in Revelation 5. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has done what? He has conquered. Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like for us to live out Psalm 27. So more than looking at David, our example, Jesus is our perfect example of what it looks like to live out this Psalm. So let's go back to the question that we asked. How do you, how do I have a heart of a lion and live courageously in a chaotic world? Here is what we must do. We must determine who will be the loudest voice we listen to. Here's the idea that I want you to get 
out of this psalm. And we're going to look at the very first two, or the first two verses in this psalm. Uh, here's what I want you to understand. A heart of a lion has confidence in who the Lord is. Who the Lord is. You know, if you're taking notes, here's the title of the message this morning. The importance of the word is. What you believe to be is, is so important for you and for me to have a heart of a lion. So let's read Psalm 27 verses 1 and 2. Let's start in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You ought to circle that word is. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Listen to me. There are a lot of voices right now telling us what is. A lot of voices coming at us from all sides. And you know what I've found the most influential and impactful conversations you will have will take place between your two ears. Because you, and I've said this before, if you call Salem Chapel your home, you are the preacher that you listen to more than anybody else, more than me, more than someone else. You are the preacher that you listen to more than anyone else. So what is your source of information that you are using to preach to yourself every day to inform you of what your greatest reality is? And if we're going to have the heart of a lion, according to the definition that we gave, we have to have confidence in who the Lord is. And this psalm, Psalm 27, does a beautiful and masterful job because it's the words of the Holy Spirit telling us, reminding us who our Lord is. Now, if you were with us last week, we were in Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2. I don't know if you noticed this already, but when you read verse 1 in Psalm 27, did you notice the name for the Lord? Capital L-O-R-D. It's the tetragrammaton, like that, fr that phrase in of itself communicate strength and confidence. It is the name that the Lord uses to put his reputation on the line. And I love that David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, starts off this, set, this psalm by saying, okay, I'm running for my life. I'm struggling with fear. King Saul's trying to kill me. But what am I gonna remind my, myself of? I'm gonna remind myself that the Lord, the Yahweh, the one who is self-existent, self-sufficient, who's with me every step of the way, I'm going to remind myself of what is. You know, the very first psalm that we just read, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, expresses David's courage and confidence in God on the basis of who he believes God to be in the present. He doesn't say the Lord was. He doesn't say that the Lord will be. He says the Lord is. This is who I am experiencing the Lord to be in the present, but also it's also who I've experienced the Lord to be in the past. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three things 
that will enable you to have the heart of a lion when you believe that the Lord is these three things for you. What is the first thing in Psalm 27.1? Look at it. David says, the Lord is my light. Number one, the Lord is your light. And because he's your light, he provides direction. You know what? You know, you probably didn't realize this, and, and I didn't realize this until I studied this psalm again this week, that this is the only passage in the Old Testament where God describes himself literally as light in the entire Old Testament. Elsewhere, God, it says that God created light. It says that he gave light. It says that he shone light. But nowhere else in the Old Testament does the Lord define himself as light other than Psalm 27.1. I think that's so interesting because the Lord wants to make clear to you this morning that the Lord provides you direction and security. That's the significance of him calling himself your light. Man, as a shepherd, remember King or David was a shepherd before he was king, and, and David knew the importance that the light of a fire was to protect his sheep in the night. As a soldier, David knew that the enemy was most dangerous when they were under the cover of darkness. Like, think about it. When, when you've walked on a trail, maybe in the evening, probably not so much right now, but when you walked in the dark on a trail, what'd you have? You had a flashlight with you. And what was the purpose of that flashlight? Well, I'm sure you didn't walk in the dark with it off. No, what did you do? You turned it on. Why? So that you didn't trip over a rock, so that you didn't trip over a stump, so that you didn't fall into a trench, right? If you were walking in a dark parking lot that didn't have any light, you would want to shine something. Why? Because you were, wanted to make sure that there wasn't some danger out there. Some of you sleep with a nightlight, like still. There's nothing wrong with that, but some of you do that. Why? Because there's something about you having some light on that gives you comfort, that gives you security, that, that allows you that if you wake up, you can actually see where you're going. Listen, so that when you get up, you don't hit your foot on the end of the bed, right? We've, we've all done that. Well, here's the reality. The Lord is your light because here's the here's 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 the deal some of the dangers that we experience are real like this coronavirus is real and and god has even provided light in the midst of this through through doctors who know what they're doing and has been have been given the the skill set to be able to identify those things there's a lot of different ways that the lord reminds us that he is our light and who he uses but the most important light for you and for me in this time is God's word he is our light and the light of God's presence in David's direction as he's running for his life that's what gives him security listen to what he says in Psalm 18:28 he says for it is you who light my lamp the lord my god lightens my darkness Jesus Christ, here's what I love. God only describes himself as light in Psalm 27, but what I love is in the New Testament, Jesus describes himself as light. In John 1, 5, this is what it says, Jesus says about himself. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. How awesome is that? That Jesus is your light, Jesus is my light, and darkness, whatever darkness that may be, will not overcome 
who Jesus is. That darkness will not overcome the reality of what is, that the Lord is your light. He is your direction. He is your security. What does John 14, 6 say? Jesus says about himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. What is Jesus saying? I'm your light, I'm your direction, I'm your security, I'm your salvation. You experiencing the confidence that David experiences and the confidence that the Lord wants you to experience during this time that's described in Psalm 27 starts with you asking yourself, who do I believe the Lord to be? Because David reminds himself, what do I believe is? The Lord is my light. Here's the second thing he says. He says, the Lord is your salvation. The Lord is my salvation. That's the second thing that we need to believe that the Lord is so that we can have a heart of a lion. Now, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, if you didn't know that already. The Hebrew word for salvation means deliverance. So once again, let's go to the context of this psalm. David is running for his life, and what does he remind himself of? Lord, you are my deliverance. You are the one who can deliver me from my enemies. So when it says the Lord is my salvation, this has to do with deliverance or rescue. Now, as I thought in my mind, what, is the, what would give me some tremendous security and confidence that I would be delivered if I needed rescue? I thought of SEAL Team 6, like pretty strong dudes who if you were uh, captured somewhere and you found out that SEAL Team 6 was coming after you, you would probably have a great confidence that you could be rescued more than if you heard that I was coming for your rescue, right? Um, so let's, let's, even, let's even get more specific, right? We, we, we think to ourselves right now, well, let me see what the news says about what the scientists are saying and what they're finding or what is the president saying right now or what are the policies that they are putting in place? Are the restrictions going to be lifted soon so that we can all throw a big party? But what I love about the significance of the Lord describing himself as your salvation, as your deliverance, is God does not merely rescue you or promise to rescue his people he himself is your rescue and is your salvation do you see the difference there he's not saying i'm gonna promise you that i will rescue no 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 i am your rescue i am your salvation i am your deliverance because here's the reality right now and i'm just going to be transparent with you Oftentimes, I have prayed in the midst of this, God, would you just get us out of this mess? And isn't that time, oftentimes what we want when we're in the midst of chaos? God, get me out of this situation. I want to get me out of here deliverance. But I think we need to think of it differently. How about this? Lord, you are my salvation. You are my deliverance. But Lord, more than praying a get me out of here deliverance. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but let me also pray this. Lord, would you, would you give me a teach me what you want me to learn in this chaos deliverance? 
And that's so important because the Lord wants you to learn some things about him that you couldn't learn unless you were in this situation right now. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, Paul says this, we do not lose heart. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Lord says to you, you do not lose heart. You have a hope. You put your trust in a hope. You put your trust in Jesus. It says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed by day. So our outer self, man, we're experiencing circumstances and we're experiencing pain and, and we may be even struggling with fear. No, no, no. But our inner self is being renewed. God is growing in us something that we wouldn't experience if he weren't walking through this. Verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is using this. God didn't cause this, but God is using this. Verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. What did David describe the Lord as? Lord, you're my light. You allow me to see the things that I normally wouldn't see. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Where is the Lord wanting you to grow in your understanding that he is your salvation? He's your deliverance. You know, some of the decisions that you were about to make before this coronavirus hit, and you know what those decisions were. I wonder if part of the Lord's deliverance and salvation for you is, be, is this coronavirus came in, even though we wouldn't want it to come in, and it actually halted us from some decisions that we would have made that maybe in hindsight later down the road we would be like, Lord, I'm so thankful that even though I'm not thankful necessarily that this virus has plagued our country, I'm thankful that you used it to cause me to avoid making some decisions that now I look back on that would have been hasty, that would have been foolish, that would have consequences different than I would have even desired. But we gotta ask ourselves, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this rather than just get me out of this? And why? Because he is your salvation. Listen to me, I know what it's like to be fearful. Hear me on this. There's been times in my life that I've woken up between 2 and 4 a.m. every night being overwhelmed with pressure and fear and panic. Listen to me, I know what that's like. I know what that's like to be waking up and sobbing and experiencing that. I know what that's like. And some of you are fearful right now. Some of you are wondering, am I going to have my job? I've lost my job. What am I going to do? I've lost my finances in the, in the investments that I have. And, and you are panicked right now and you can hardly sleep. And let me encourage you. This is a time more than any other time that you need to literally be saying out loud what we are looking at in these verses. I've done it. I've had to say it out loud. I've had to scream it out loud. I've literally had to say that to myself to calm my fears. I know what that's like, even though your circumstances may be different than ones that I've experienced in the past. And what I can tell you is, is this is a time that the Lord is gonna grow you more than probably maybe ever you've been grown before to realize what is. He's your light. He's your salvation. What's the third thing that he says? He says, Lord, you are my stronghold. He says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. He provides you with protection. That's the significance of that phrase. Stronghold literally means fortress or refuge. 
And what David is saying is, is right now, when I'm struggling with fear, the certainty of who the Lord is, is the greatest fortress that I can run to and feel safe. Remember, he's running from cave to cave, dark cave to dark cave. But he's like, more than me running to a cave out of fear of me losing my life, Lord, I'm running to you. Proverbs 18.10 says this, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Here's what I've found with troubling circumstances in my life. They cause me to run away from the Lord or they cause me to run to the Lord. And which would characterize you right now? Because the Lord wants you to run to him. And one of the most important words in verse one is the word my, my. Two letters in the English, one letter in the Hebrew, but it makes all the difference in the world. See, it's not enough for you to know about the Lord being light. It's not enough to know about the Lord being salvation. It's not enough for the Lord, for you to know that the Lord is a stronghold. No, 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 no. Is he that to you? Can you say with confidence, the Lord is my light? The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. Because what you're feeding your faith will starve your fear. And when I'm feeding my faith on what is true, remember what the title of the message is, the importance of the word is. What I'm feeding my faith, when I'm feeding my faith on what is true, of the Lord, my fear will starve. It'll subside. Look at what David says. He says, whom shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? Look at what he says in end of verse two. It is they who stumble and fall. What is David allowing? He's allowing the is to speak to the future. The first question David asks in this Psalm is, whom shall I fear? And I love that the Psalm ends, Psalm 27 ends with, let your heart take courage. So why can we have Courage in the midst of chaos. Why? Because God doesn't hide himself in chaos. He gives us himself. You see that? I may want to run. You may want to run. But God doesn't run. He rather gives us himself. And the good news of the gospel is that we have an anchor for our souls. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have no need to fear. You may be on the other line, other end of this screen and you've known about the Lord, you've heard about the Lord, whatever it may be. But I want to ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Like if you died today, not that anyone, anyone would desire that, but if you died today, do you have absolute confidence that when, if you died today, that you would be with Jesus Christ forever in heaven and that you have a relationship with him? Because what I want you to understand is the Lord desires to be your light, your salvation, your stronghold. But it requires you to understand that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, we've fallen short of the glory of God. God is perfect, we are sinful. We can't have a relationship with God on our own. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of my sin, what I deserve of my sin is death, separation from God for all of eternity. But listen to me, Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love for you that in the midst of your sin, Christ died for you. He's your way. He's your truth. 
he's your life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I will be saved. And I wanna encourage you right now, if you've never placed your relationship in Jesus Christ, to call out to him, to confess to him that he is your savior of your sin, that he is your Lord. We need to allow the what is to speak to the ifs, but also to the whens. Do you see in verse two, it says, when evil doers assail me. Fear will always cause us to focus on self-preservation. And when we go down that road and travel that road long enough, it never calms your fears. Actually, what it does is it causes you to be consumed by it. And so when we think about this coronavirus and the crisis that we're in and the fears that it's causing inside of us, whether it's a fear of I'm gonna get it or whether it's a fear of what it's causing in regards to my personal finances, it causes us, it's caused us to see the things and the routines and the persons of what we believed could bear the weight of being our light and our salvation and our stronghold. It's caused us to see how fragile those things are. They can't bear under the weight of circumstances. So are you going to press in? Are you going to trust what the psalm describes as being is? Here's what I've found in my life. The hardest praise is the highest praise. Because you're gonna have to tell yourself probably every day, multiple times in the day, okay, I'm fearful right now. What do I need to remind myself of what is? Lord, you are, you, you are my light, you are my salvation, you are my stronghold. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? No, 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 those circumstances are going to stumble and fall and the Lord is still going to be those things to me. I have to remind myself every day of what is. The hardest praise is the highest praise. And what the Lord wants us to do is turn our panic into prayer, to call out to him, to turn our worry into worship, to turn your fear into faith and allow who you believe the Lord is to speak to your what ifs or your wins. Listen, I, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what I would love you to do right now. I'd love you to pray this prayer with me. And it's not a magical prayer but it's just a prayer I want to encourage you that if the Lord is, is really saying, man, really convicting you right now and speaking to you right now that, man, I need a relationship with the Lord, would you just pray this after me? Lord, I confess I am a sinner. I believe that you lived a perfect life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again for me. I'm placing my trust in what you did for me in order to have a relationship with you and a home in heaven, I will follow you with my life. Listen to me, if you prayed that prayer, we wanna know that. We wanna encourage you in that. You can right now message if you're watching this streaming or on Facebook Live and one of our staff on the other side of this would love to follow up with you. If you're watching this later on in the day, you can go to our website and our staff page. You can email one of us, we would love to talk with you about that belief and trust that you just made in the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the rest of us, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. There's actually homework in this. I wanna encourage you to memorize verses one and two this week. Memorize it. Because our goal is that we would have this entire Psalm memorized. And when we can gather together again, whenever that may be, 
we'll be able to recite that together. But memorize Psalm 27, one and two. Write it on a postcard, write it on something, memorize it. And then here's what I would love you to do. And just on social media, man, post yourself saying that verse to encourage you, but also to encourage others. Listen to me, the Lord wants you to have a heart of a lion. And Psalm 27 is the way. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're here this morning or whenever we're watching this. Lord, would you remind us of what is? And we would allow what is to speak to what if and when. Because Lord, what you desire us to have is a heart of a lion, a heart of courage, a heart of confidence, not in ourselves, but in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.